Hi, folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Check podcast. This is a little bit of a treat for people who aren't members at patreon.com forward slash tortoise check. Pretty much every Sunday for the last few years, we wrap the week. We go through some of the stories that made the headlines and some of the ones that didn't get enough attention. We break it down and put it out for our members as a thank you for their support and helping to keep the podcast free for everyone. But given the week that it was, considering what happened outside the doll, we've decided we'll put this one out on general release. But if you like what we do, please join us. As I say all the time, it's the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. It's a price of a fancy cup of coffee to you, but to us, it is literally mics on and keeping the show on the road. And if you're listening to this before Thursday the 28th of September, there are still tickets available for our show in the Sugar Club that evening, where I'll be sitting down with now best-selling author and award-winning journalist Aoife Moore and actor, playwright and poet Emmett Kirwin. I'm really looking forward to the dynamic of having both of them on stage at the same time and seeing where that goes. The tickets for that are available on eventbrite.ie. I think the link should be in the bottom of the podcast you're listening to right now. And I hope to see lots and lots of you there. Anyway, one last time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise This platform does not exist without your support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for liking, sharing, recommending us to your friends. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and delighted to be joined on the podcast today by a panel of experts and housing activists and people working directly in the area of youth housing, youth homelessness from Finland, from Scotland, and also Ireland. Um, we're going to discuss the kind of key issues affecting housing in Scotland, Finland, and Ireland, Look, make some comparisons, but also look at solutions. And obviously, the housing and homelessness crisis as listeners are well aware of, and many of you are listening, is one of the, if not the biggest issue affecting this country and youth in particular. We're seeing an entire generation been locked out of secure, affordable housing. So this is really, uh, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. And I'm joined by Claire Ostick, who is the housing policy manager with Cluid Housing. That's a housing association in Ireland. Tracy Longworth, who is with the Almond um, Housing Association in Scotland. Hilma Sormanen from NAL, which is a Finnish housing um, organization building and renting youth housing, and also Audrey Heron from the Rock Trust in Scotland as well. I might go to you first, Audrey, and just um, I want to chat first about the housing situations in Scotland and then Finland, because, you know, in Ireland we are living a housing crisis now, which is essentially almost a per- permanent uh, structurally embedded uh disaster at this point over seven years of rising family uh, and child homelessness individual homelessness what is the situation in scotland in terms of generally uh, is there a housing crisis there hi rory yeah thank you for having us on today yeah i would say it's safe to say that scotland is in a housing crisis and while we have had some protective legislation in place during the pandemic and again because of the cost of living crisis we've still seen an increase in homelessness so this year homelessness has increased by nine percent for the general population and four percent for young people and um, this is higher than pre-pandemic levels There's also been a record number of uh, families experiencing homelessness. Last year, this included over 16,000 children. 
And the Housing Act Scotland introduced the abolition of priority needs, which increased the numbers of people accessing temporary accommodation. But this, combined with a housing shortage, means that households are now spending longer time in temporary accommodation, an average of 233 days. So it's a case of housing supply does not meet demand. And in regarding young people, um, 16 to 24 year olds are overrepresented in homelessness. They already make up 24% of the homeless population compared with 12% of the Scottish population. And yeah, Tracy, then in terms of Scotland, you know, where our crisis is ultimately one of a failure to build public housing or social housing for 30 years and austerity, particularly hammered uh, social housing budgets, but a longer term um, kind of shift away from public housing to kind of neoliberal um, you know, promotion of, a, of home ownership, but very much through a financialised model. And we've seen increasingly the role of investor funds coming in, providing very high-end rental. Um, and then the issue of restrained credit, meaning young people can't access to borrow a home, but there's even not homes within those budgets available to buy. What is kind of going on in Scotland to cause the level? Sorry, and, and of course, ultimately, uh, we have a, a long uh, failure to give tenants protections from evictions, which is one of the core reasons why we have such levels of homelessness, um, which has been part of the domination of um, you know, small-time investors in this view of housing as investment asset rather than home. What are kind of the roots or causes of the Scottish uh, rise in homelessness and housing crisis there? I would say, Rory, that they're, they're probably quite similar. And that is around uh, an underinvestment in the the building of, of new social housing. There there is a a focus on the desirability of buying your own property rather mm. than renting it. And in the West Lothian area where we're based at Almond, we have just to give you an, an understanding of the level of the crisis that we have in Scotland. We have over ten thousand people on the waiting list for social housing in West Lothian. And within our stock, we only have two and a half thousand units with an average turnover of approximately 100 units per annum. The two things just don't add up. Yeah. There is not the, you know, there is not the availability of, of social housing and the costs of home ownership are increasing at a phenomenal rate. Young people are effectively excluded from, from that housing market. And in terms of how Scotland measures homelessness, because that's a you know a big kind of question and something that's looked at when we look at comparing homelessness across countries. What is broadly when you say people are homeless? Because here in Ireland, it is essentially defined as people who are in emergency accommodation. Well, what does that include when we talk about who's homeless? Maybe Audrey or Tracy, whoever wants to come in on that. Um, yeah, Audrey. Yeah, um, so that that includes those who are in temporary accommodation or those who are un, in unsuitable accommodation and at risk of losing that accommodation. So they will all come under the homeless figures. Yeah, which we don't in Ireland include that kind of at risk. Um, it is just those who are in temporary accommodation, which is important to highlight because some of those numbers you gave would were very stark at the start and people in Ireland would be going, you know, that's that's huge. Do you know what proportion are in emergency accommodation out of interest? Is, does anyone have that uh, approximately in comparison to those who are at risk, you say, you know, of homelessness? 
And there was me saying it wasn't going to be a hard interview. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at it, I might have it written somewhere. Yeah. Tracy, I'll go to you uh, while Audrey is looking, that, looking up that. Um, in terms of the view of housing in Scotland broadly in policy, as was mentioned earlier, you know, there was these measures brought in during COVID that, you know, brought in protections. Are they now being rolled back? And how do you see kind of where's housing policy at? Is it treating housing as a human right or how what's the broad policy perspective and approach to housing? The the, the protective measures that are, were introduced under COVID have been really um, rolled back. Those protective measures were about providing accommodation for street homeless individuals and also to prevent evictions by social landlords and um, rent increases as well. So all of those things have fundamentally disappeared, unfortunately. Yeah, so it, we're seeing the similar thing here. We had an eviction ban over the winter last year, which had a real impact um, and similar to the eviction ban over COVID and reducing homelessness, but the rolling back has seen, we've seen significant increase in homelessness um, as well as a result. Audrey, any luck with that figure? Can't find it. Sorry. You can't find it. We'll, we'll see, can we find it before the end of the podcast and stick it in? <laughs> Great, thanks. Hilma, I'll, I'll go to you now. In terms of Finland... We see uh, across social media um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, my own research, but, you know, it's popularly shared um, kind of these uh, articles that are extolling the virtues of Finland as being, a, you know, a paradise of somewhere that's radically reduced fom- homelessness, which we know it has. Um, and the, you know, the, the approach to housing being one is seen as a social right um, rather than a kind of a commodity or investment or, you know, deeply neoliberalised policy, which we have here in Ireland and the UK. Um, what is the reality in Finland in terms of homelessness and, you know, policy in terms of housing, as um, you see it? Yeah, the reality is that we wouldn't really call the situation a housing crisis. We are quite lucky in that sense. But the main challenges that we do have in Finland are the rise in rental costs and the costs of construction, uh, especially in the housing and metropolitan area. The rents are very, very high at the moment. And it's very hard for young people or people with low income and low wage workers to um be able to afford their rents in the metropolitan area right at the moment. Um, some uh, future concerns that we have, we have a pretty recent newish uh, government that is planning some cuts to, cuts to the um, uh, aid that is given to given in Finland to uh, construct affordable housing. So that is a concern that we now have. Yesterday, they just announced that the cuts to this support uh, financial aid that um, we have to construct affordable housing would not be as massive as <laughs> as they initially planned. But this is one concern that we have for the future. And yes... <laughs> We are lucky in Finland in the sense that we, um, homelessness here has been declining for many years. And, um, however, the number of homeless youth did increase last year. And, uh, we do know that hidden homelessness is pretty common among young people. So we don't actually know how many pe- young people in Finland are experiencing homelessness, uh, right now. Uh, in 
2022, 815 young people were documented as homeless in Finland, which was uh, about 22% of all individuals experiencing homelessness in our country. Uh, so, yeah, the professionals here with working with young people and working in affordable housing, we are uh, somewhat worried for the future right now because of, like I said, the cuts uh, to not only support uh the construction of uh, affordable housing, but the government is also um, planning some cuts to housing allowance um, and some youth services. And all of these are very important for preventing youth homelessness in Finland. So we we are quite worried that we might see a rise um, in homelessness and youth homelessness in the future, but we'll see. Yeah, that that is worrying. Um, and so it is, you know, that is the reality that you don't have a housing crisis in, in the way that we have. And as you said, homelessness has been reducing um, for many years. And in terms of as well, that question of how you measure homelessness, because similarly to Scotland, you don't just include people who are in emergency accommodation. It's people who are in insecure housing or overcrowding. You don't have figures on that or proportion of, like when you say homeless, are most of those in emergency accommodation or would they be not in emergency accommodation in shelters? Uh, we would also, uh, the statistics also include uh, people who live in, uh, well, uh, well, now I lost the English words <laughs> let's go with one that i know uh for example inmates that are being uh, um, released from prisons and they do not have a home at the moment they would be in the statistics people who are staying at their friends or relatives uh, but you know uh and people who are staying in uh, hospitals or other places where they maybe they're receiving rehabilitation or but they are not actually living in a home of their own. So I think those are the main main yeah. groups that are included. Yeah, and, and that's very important for us here in Ireland when because there's a constant talk that we have this kind of similar levels of homelessness to Europe, but when you don't count, we don't count those groups that you talk about there. Um, Tracy, you wanted to come in. Yeah, I was just going to, I was just going to um, ask um, Hilma if the sort of the withdrawal of support for homeless um, individuals that you were talking about, reductions of rent allowances and, and potential reductions in youth services. Do you think that that's contributing to the rise of youth homelessness? Uh, that will probably contribute to, mm-hmm. contribute to that in the future. So um, we haven't seen a rise in you know general uh, mm-hmm. homelessness yet. But uh, as I said, uh, there was a rise in youth homelessness. Uh, but these housing allowances and everything they are they are available for everyone with a low income in Finland. So it's not just homeless people who are uh, receiving these benefits, but there are people who might become. Uh, at risk to experiencing homelessness if if they will not be able to afford their rents in the future if they do not get that we know that housing allowance is very important for low low income people everyone you young people older people everyone and it's it is a very very important allowance and uh cuts to that uh, they are a huge concern for us especially for young people as young people are their main uh demographic uh using that allowance yeah and Hilma, in terms of Finland, what do you think are the key reasons why Finland has seen such low levels of homelessness and reduced it? Uh, I think there are 
several factors, but one thing is probably that we do have a pretty much shared political understanding that homelessness is an issue that we should tackle. And it has been a very long understanding that we've had across political <laughs> lines and everything. Mm-hmm. And we do see uh, home and housing as, a, like you said, as a social right. It's a right everyone should have. And so th- that uh, our governments across years and years and years have had this had this goal to end homelessness in Finland for a long time. And then we have this uh, great principle, housing first, and that's uh, that's definitely helpful. We do. Um, we aim that everyone has a home and then uh, combined, combined with combined with having a home, yeah. <laughs> they are also given services, support services that they need to actually succeed in um, ind- uh, independent living. And then, of course, uh, support from the society is important. We have a welfare state that supports us, supports um, young people, supports everyone, <laughs> everyone in need of support. So that is also important, especially for young people. Yeah. And you also, of course, have the right to housing in the constitution as well, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it is in there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is something we're looking at here. Hopefully we will get because unfortunately we don't have a shared understanding across political lines and um, across society indeed of the need to end homelessness and the focus on it. Um, and definitely that not a shared understanding uh, or reflection in policy at least of that housing is a human right. So hopefully we will get that very soon. So moving on, Claire, in terms of Ireland then and youth homelessness and housing and homelessness, the crisis, where do you think we're at? What's your assessment of where we're at in the housing crisis in Ireland? Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So I think um, ultimately, obviously, there is a the housing a housing crisis and it has impacted so many groups um, across society. Um, now, I think um, particularly with young people, um, there is a lot more vulnerabilities around that. Um, and a- according to one of the reports by the Department of Housing last August, it was reported that there was a 57% increase uh, in young people aged 18 to 24 uh, availing of emergency accommodation. Um, and the thing is that um, young people are overrepresented in emergency accommodation, but are probably likely to be hidden from the official statistics and figures as a result of couch surfing, experiencing hidden homelessness as we know it, living with their families, friends, um, in unsuitable living arrangements and conditions. Um, and ultimately, this has a huge knock-on effect on well-being, mental health, uh, financial circumstances, um, opportunities, access to education and the whole lot. So I think where we're at is that, you know, there's, a, a, I suppose, a, a good few kind of things coming together at the moment um, with the likes of key support services and providers such as Focus Ireland, Novus, Peter McFerry, um, working on it and providing uh, youth housing um, kind of locally and regionally as well but also now where maybe uh, approved housing bodies such as ourselves as Cluid Housing are looking at well could we potentially get into the space could we help upscale um, you know uh, youth housing and, and age-friendly housing for young people um, and particularly with the launch of the Departments of Housing uh, Youth Homelessness Strategy which was launched last November there's a few kind of outlined uh, aims and objectives that hopefully we will see come into fruition over the next year or two as well. Yeah, and, and some of the figures, because um, we don't have figures on who of young people in hidden homelessness. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we only 
measure those who were in emergency accommodation. And the Simon Communities did a survey and they commissioned an opinion poll of the general population, which found, um, I don't have the statistics to hand, but if I remember rightly, it was in the region of one in 10 young people, young adults had experienced hidden homelessness in the last 12 months, which are huge, huge numbers. Um, not captured anywhere in official housing statistics, really. Um, and we know that the issue of hidden homelessness Ireland in Ireland, particularly amongst young adults, uh, is is really significant because we've had this massive increase in in particular young adults uh, in, in, in the rents and people not being able to afford rent, then young adults living at home. But then if you're not in a situation where a family can support you, if you're living you know, in care, um, as you mentioned earlier, been you know released from prison in terms of you know family issues breakdown overcrowding. We're seeing young people being the first ones you know having to leave or being left and therefore going into those situations of hidden homelessness and being very vulnerable um, and excluded very much within the housing system. So we go on now to I want to chat just in terms of you know the services solutions, what can be done, what should be done, what is being done, um, in terms of this because. Uh, this is so important that we do understand that, of course, as Finland shows and as we say all the time, that homelessness is not inevitable um, and not is it not just inevitable, it shouldn't be tolerated and it shouldn't exist. Um, and there's no reason why it should, particularly uh, when we are as wealthy as we are. Audrey, I might go to you first, just in terms of the services that you provide and what you do. Maybe you could outline briefly um, what they are, and then maybe kind of some of the key solutions you think need to be done to reduce homelessness and youth homelessness. Yeah, sure. Um, so Rock Trust, we are a youth homeless charity and we operate in seven local authorities in Scotland. So we provide a range of different support models, um, including supported housing and housing first for youth. Um, we've also recently developed a new live and work scheme. Um, this is an innovative model um, which is offering um, discounted rents to young people who are stepping into employment for the first time. And this enables them to have a bit of a stability, but also to save funds. Um, and at the moment, we're in the process of launching our upstream prevention programme. And this will offer interventions through schools and families to prevent homelessness from happening in the first place. And I think the solution to homelessness is already well documented. Um, affordable, suitable homes, well-paid work and access to the right support at the right time. Um, we need not just affordable housing, but also social housing. And while this is being built, um, we're not building it fast enough to meet demand. So things like buying back from um, the local authorities or incentivising it, that might be the only option. Um, and for young people particularly, we need adequate income, not zero hours contracts, minimum wage and insecure work, which often young people are subject to um, and often their benefits can't cover the rent. Um, I'd say one of the main things at the moment is that the local housing allowance rate is far too low. Um, it needs to be reviewed to ensure that it's realistic to the rent. Um, that's also led to an increase in people becoming homeless from private rented properties. Um, so we really need to offer support to young people, I think particularly during transitional periods, like leaving school, um, leaving home or entering the workplace or changing jobs. So it's having the right support there at the right time. 
And the main thing to support us to do that um, is really systemic change across all public bodies, um, delivery partners and housing providers all working together to prevent homelessness. Um, homelessness is often thought of as just a housing issue and it's not, it's much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's, it's an interesting discussion, the question of is homelessness a housing issue or not, because a lot of the public debate um, here can be focused on homelessness as almost something directly related to addiction issues or, you know, um, wider poverty. And there's an element of that there. But of course, there's also um, the whole, you know, not also, but like there's the structural housing issues that are there. And if you don't have affordable housing, then um, you're going to be homeless in terms of if you have, you know, exposed to vulnerabilities. And I, I just sometimes feel that this discussion is too dominated by this idea of homelessness being something that the individual has done wrong rather than actually structural problems, particularly around housing, but also wider inequalities in society. Um, Tracy, what, what would your, your view on that be? Um, I completely agree with what you just said, Rory. And I think with our Housing First for Youth project that we developed with Rock Trust, the, the group of young people that we look to assist were those young people leaving care. These are the young people that we should know the most about. These yeah. are the young people that we have an absolute duty to assist and to guide and support into adulthood. And what we found in our local area was that these young people, especially those who were probably most traumatised, most um, most disturbed by their time in care, with indicators of complex need, they were falling through the gaps. There were no housing options, no support options that met their needs. And that's where our Housing First for Youth project came from. And that's what it, that's what we sought to do to demonstrate that there is a way that we can support young people and to have that mainstreamed and rolled out across local authorities in Scotland. And that's what we achieved with a really small pilot project that sought to develop the housing first principles that have been so successfully implemented in Finland, along with um, several other countries, um, and what we sought to do with those principles, that right to a home, that right to indefinite support, was to use it in a preventative way to help those young people to avoid homelessness as adults. Because there's Scottish government um, statistics that suggest that 51% of, sorry, no, 21% of care leavers will, within five years of leaving care, experience homelessness and these wow. are often those th those individuals that the housing first program sought to um support in in adulthood but after great harm had been done to both themselves and society so yeah. we 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 flipped it and we used it in a preventative for format and, and just explain how you worked. did you, how, how you did that in terms of that preventative format what what did that involve it involved us as a mainstream housing organisation, not a huge number of um, stock. We're not a we're not a big landlord, mm. and we basically took a risk. We decided that this was something 
that was worthwhile investing both our own resources. Rock Trust also invested and we we took a risk, a risk to develop a project that had never been looked at in Scotland before. And, and if you want to explain exactly what, what was done, because it kind of sometimes needs to go to that level of detail to see, okay, okay. how was this achieved? What did okay. you do? So what we did was we, we made funding available, we made homes available, and we housed young people in secured tenancies um, in our stock with support that was not mandatory. They didn't have to take the support. So they were given a mainstream tenancy with all the rights and responsibilities that goes with that, and they were offered support, which they could choose to take or not to take. And every single one of them chose to accept that support. And from from the, from a housing perspective, what we did is we worked really closely with Rock Trust to support those young people. And of those tenancies, we only had one that didn't work out. and But that young person still continues to receive support from Rock Trust. So it was that prioritising of, of young people who were at risk, literally give, you know, ensuring they had a home absolutely. being the primary response and that worked. It absolutely, it absolutely worked. And the other really interesting thing about the project is we, we met quite a lot of resistance when we, when we developed the project and we implemented the project and we got that resistance from statutory bodies like the social work department, the local police superintendent, um, and the, the, the West Lothian's, um, housing department. Nobody believed that this project could work. And as a result of it working, it was incorporated into those, um, Pathfinder projects that the Scottish government launched across five different local authorities to prove the concept of housing first for adults but also incorporated a Housing First for Youth project in the Edinburgh initiative. Very good, very good. That's very, very interesting and really um, significant and important and, and well done. That's, you know, and again, the to see it expanded out is is the key. Thanks for that, Tracy And Audrey, I'm going to go to Hilma now in terms of just explaining what, what NAL does and... Um, it's some of the kind of, I suppose, key solutions you think are needed and, and you are doing, you you in Finland are doing that are being successful at a kind of practical level. Yeah, so we at NOL, we do advocacy work. Uh, we started out as an advocacy organisation. Uh, so we aim to defend uh, young people's interests in, uh, in general and to make sure that uh, young people's interests and needs are being taken into account in political decision making. And we also uh, construct and lease affordable youth apartments. We have a non-profit constructor uh, that does this constructing and leasing. And then we uh, have another company that uh, offers support for young, young people, such as uh, housing counselling and supported, uh, supported housing. And uh, we also have 22 local associations in different parts of Finland that also um, provide young people with housing and support services. Uh, so we do our part in uh, preventing youth homelessness by providing young people with homes and services. And um, it's um, it's really our our apartments are 
important because uh, we know that young people do have issues with finding affordable housing and uh, homes that fit their income from the private yeah. market, and uh, and we do not we do not require a security deposit or, or home insurance, and we just found out that thirty percent of our tenants are not eligible to get uh, home insurance. So if they're, it's just impossible for them to find homes from the private market that they usually require tenants yeah. to have um, home insurances. So it's really important that uh, there are uh, uh, organizations and associations that offer youth housing like we do. <laughs> yeah, and out of interest, how much youth housing, how many units, homes do you have? Do you know? And, and how many would you be, how many new would you be building every year? Uh, I'm not sure about the building, but at the moment, uh, uh, we have over 4,500 youth housing apartments in 30 regions in Finland. And our, uh, the company that we own, that, that includes the, our company and our local associations. So that our nonprofit company has 2,000, over 2,200 apartments in the Helsinki metropolitan area. So that's, so yeah, it's a lot of specifically dedicated youth housing. Um, and, and is that the, the only dedicated youth housing in Finland, do you think? Or is there other organizations that do it as well that provide specifically youth housing? Uh, ours is the only one uh, dedicated specifically for uh, youth. There are some associations that uh, provide uh, housing for students or other affordable housing. So there are other, other associations that do that. But ours is the only one that you know specifically targets youth yeah but again showing that housing providing housing solves homelessness it it helps (laughs) (laughs) it does yeah and and in that then the key lessons and learnings from finland what would they be for other countries in terms of tackling homelessness and the housing issue um provide enough <laughs> affordable housing for young people, provide them with services, um, easy access services. This is something that we're still working on over here that um, um, so that young people would have it easy to access these um, different support and services that they need. Uh, uh, one thing that we also uh, would have to work uh, work on in Finland is um, the documentation and statistics. Uh, we need to have better documentation and statistics of homelessness so that we we get to know about the phenomenon more, especially especially uh, hidden homelessness and the specific details of youth homelessness. And that's something that is worthwhile <laughs> yeah, to absolutely. do. Yeah. And yeah. And stigma, I want to bring that up. Uh, yeah. Reducing the stigma <laughs> of homelessness and um, substance abuse issues, mental health issues. These are everything that um, affects homelessness. And we want to make sure that people, uh, the threshold of people to get these services and seek out these services is as low as possible. And the stigma is not helping it. So we, that is also something that should be worked on. And how do you, how would you, or what do you think in terms of how can that stigma be reduced? I think it's open communication and talking about the phenomenon. And uh, I think uh, one problem is that when we talk about homelessness, we only speak a pretty, about a pretty small 
part of homelessness, pretty marginalized group of homeless people, uh, those who sleep on the streets or sleep rough or, and yeah. that's also the Im- images that we are shown all the time when we speak about homelessness. But we know that homelessness is much more than that. And it's, it's, and so I think we need to have open discussions about it, bring different perspectives into it and hear people's stories, how they end- ended up in homeless and how we could help them. And just to push you a little bit on, on what you said there about homelessness is more than that. Could you explain that a bit? Uh, well, like we, I think we talked about earlier that it's not like it's not an individual's choice or an individual's fault if they yeah. end up homeless. It's not. Of course, we know that um, there are some factors that will increase the risk of uh, ending up homeless, like uh, substance abuse issues or mental health issues or maybe um, generational um poverty or disadvantagedness or everything yeah. but it's really the societal structures that we need to talk about and um hidden homelessness and everything it's just like there are so many parts about homelessness that we are not talking about uh that uh really needs to be talked about in order for us to really tackle them yeah and yeah no i completely agree and i think that um the that whole issue of stigma is that idea as well as it's not just the individual as we said you know it is a structural and and the wider understanding of what is homelessness as being these these huge range of experiences that that people are in and situations of housing insecurity you know that's great thanks hilma going to go to you last claire in terms of ireland then and what's happening around youth homelessness because of course where this conversation podcast came from was i was speaking at one of your uh conferences that she held on um tackling the issue of youth homelessness and the um what can be done in ireland to really address this because you know we haven't seen kind of housing delivery uh so what 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 can be done here what do you think what should be yeah, done yeah absolutely and just to kind of differentiate from like the the previous speakers so Cluid um is one of the leading approved housing bodies uh, which means we're a non-for-profit charity providing lifelong homes uh for people and uh, families in housing need so it's usually it is general needs social housing and we also provide age friendly housing uh for older people so we're not actually yeah. in the space of youth housing um but we're exploring it um as part of our uh, corporate uh, strategy securing the future um, and we're looking at different tenures, I suppose, to kind of contribute to this conversation. Um, but just back to your point. Um, so there is lots kind of happening in Ireland um, at the moment with Focus Ireland and Peter McVeary and Novus um, and service providers. Um, but I suppose in order to really tackle it, we need to bring everyone who's involved in kind of youth housing and youth support services together to tackle the issue ultimately um, and to kind of like streamline that process. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's about, um, you know, sharing information, collaborating. Uh, and I suppose what Cluid has been doing as part of our exploration journey, um, we've really been asking ourselves questions around, you know, who do we mean by young people? What's the age bracket? Um, you know, what's the pathways available to us? Because obviously we're, we're bound to like funding streams and mechanisms. Um, you know, what the support services required because we provide houses we don't necessarily provide the support so who would we potentially need to partner with so there are all these kind of different questions that need to be answered as 
well. Um, but we've set up an internal working group with different departmental reps uh, internally on finance and commercial development to look at this. Um, and then we've also looked outwards, not just in Ireland, but outwards uh, to, to kind of European countries, the likes of Scotland, Spain, Finland, uh, the speakers on the call, um, but then also Canada, New Zealand and Australia as well to, to get that international best practice, to get their learning, to see what has worked in other countries to end and eliminate and reduce youth homelessness because ultimately this conversation is about prevention and early intervention and one of the the arguments for this it's not just the the economic argument about potential uh, savings down the line for the government Mm -hmm. around you know providing social housing and so on but there is that human element to it as well about changing a young person's trajectory and their life and giving them opportunities and access to reaching their potential uh, in whatever way that might look like. Um, So we also have uh, the Simon Brook lecture coming up next week uh, on the 27th of September at 5pm in the Lighthouse Cinema, where we're actually facilitating a conversation around this, where we have Hilma and Tracy and Audrey uh, and two other representatives from Spain coming over. Um, We also have members of the Coalition to End Youth Homelessness, which we are also now members of, to try and progress this further along. And it is about that international best practice, international policies, the perspective to try and make youth housing uh, delivery, uh, I suppose, upscale it in Ireland, but also make it more of a reality here as well to really tackle the issue and reduce youth homelessness at its core to ensure that every young person has access to housing, lifelong secure housing, and that they can reach their full potential and have access to opportunities absolutely yeah so if people want to check that out it's the lighthouse cinema the 27th seven o'clock um and that five should o'clock. be five o'clock five o'clock did i say seven o'clock there <laughs> yeah, five, <yeah>. sorry about <laughs> that five o'clock that'll get the drive home the time five o'clock um on the 27th so that should be really really interesting and uh we'll be looking forward to seeing tracy audrey and hilma um, live and real and it should be a great discussion so listen I'll, I'll leave it there unless anybody wants to make a final point before we finish up um, you all look very um, satisfied in terms of it's all covered I think we've covered a, a lot there and um, listeners will get a lot out of that in terms of it's so interesting just to hear that international experience so thank you Claire and Clued for organising um, the speakers and for, for bringing them over and of course to Tony for producing the podcast we're using new audio format going beyond Zoom which is really interesting and I hope you as listeners uh, appreciate that um, improvement in sound quality and as always we ask that we are an independent podcast and we completely rely on patrons who sign up to contribute each month. So if you can, go over to patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Sign up for whatever you can each month. Help us keep these podcasts going. And listen, thank you to all my guests for being here today. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. <laughs> <laughs>